Last Pass. Decapitated head found. FM 6969 claimed another victim, Michael read on the front page of the newspaper. His iPhone vibrated on the table. Speak. Michael, please come home, his sister Wichita cried out. What's wrong? It's Big Mama Rose. She had another heart attack. He packed and jumped into his Maybach Londelay with J.D., Jack Daniels, riding in the passenger seat, and a few of his friends secured in an ice-packed cooler behind his seat. Driving up to Raw, Texas, he thought about how Big Mama Rose raised his little sis and him after their mom left them watching the Bugaloos one Saturday morning. She never returned. Warning. The Wicked Library contains adult themes, adult situations, adult language, and graphic depictions of terror, bloodshed, the occasional possession, and your future trips to your psychiatrist, so he or she can assure you it's only a story. This podcast is intended for mature audiences only. You've been warned, kiddies. <laughs> Hello, kiddies. Have a seat and relax. I'm your librarian. There's nothing to be afraid of, yet. Hold on to yourselves, royals and ghouls. This is going to be a dark ride. We'll leave the lights on for now. No talking. It's story time at the Wicked Library. <laughs> In no time, he found himself pulling into the hospital parking lot and walking down the cold white halls to room 711. Big Mama Rose looked like a shriveled up dandelion, once so proud and strong. It's me, Michael. She opened her eyes and reached for his face, but fell back onto the pillow. My boy, she whispered. I've been waiting for you. I rushed to get to you as soon as I could. No. I'm so sorry for being out of touch all this time. You forgive me? Tears ran down his face as he kneeled down on one knee next to her bedside. I did that a long time ago, son. Thank you. I don't deserve it. Nonsense. Give me a kiss. He kissed her cheek while making sure he didn't disturb her oxygen headdress. Can I get you something? No, I have all I need now. You. I know all about your troubles. DWIs and arrests. I shouldn't be surprised since Wichita loves to run her fat trap. A dozen frown lines popped out on his forehead as he stared down at the polished floor. Look, I don't want to see you end up with a bowl of regrets. It's time for you to change, son. I want to share something with you. Mama Rose, you need your rest. He looked up at her. No, I don't. She pushed the button on the bed's remote control to raise herself up with the little strength she possessed. I came here to see about you, not for one of your stories. You sit down right there. You need to hear this. All right. He stood up and walked over to the flimsy plastic chair in the corner. He dragged it to her bedside and sat down in front of her. It was October 31st, 1942. 100 degrees. A record scorcher for Halloween Eve. My older brother, Coop, planned on proposing to Madison, his high school steady. She could have passed for Dorothy Dandridge's double. He told me that Coop never married, left raw to enlist in the army, and later died in combat. I know. And he didn't ever marry. Why is it so important for you to tell me now? You need to rest now, not talk. 
I don't have much time left. I need you to just listen to what I have to tell you. The hospital gown swallowed her worn body. I really wish you would just listen to me for a change. Where was I? Oh, Coop worked three jobs that summer and sold his red Ford pickup so he could get her an engagement ring from a fancy mail catalog in New York. Madison drove up FM 6969 to meet him at the lake. (coughs) Michael stood up to stroke her warm, skeletal back. See, you need to rest. You're pushing yourself too much with something not important. I'll rest soon enough. Let me finish, and this is important. He poured her some water from the plastic pitcher into a paper cup and placed a straw inside. He held the straw for her to sip from before she started back up again. It came out later. The town butcher named Baker, owner of plenty of white hoods, confessed that he had been drinking that day. He walked away with a temporary limp and a few scratches. Madison's family planned her funeral. Look, I don't need a reminder about what happened. I didn't kill anyone. Besides, I'm going to AA meetings now. I'm not telling you this to make you feel guilty, son. Sorry, Mama Rose. I get a little defensive when reminded. So go on. What happened to Baker? Baker went to trial several months later. And old Judge Merriweather, his best friend, and part of the good old boys club, slapped him with just 90 days of community service. So he got away with murder? Pretty much. Coop withdrew for a long time. Michael folded his hands behind his neck. There was something different about my brother after that. He wasn't loving anymore. I didn't understand it right then. Maybe he just needed some time. He just lost the love of his life. No. He craved the darkness. Demona Stone. Who? Demona. She was a boo hag. A boo what? Michael massaged his perfect goatee with a fifth grader's puzzled look on his face. Boo hag. A boo hag is an evil witch and shapeshifter. The elders told stories every Saturday night around the bar halls about her. I fetched them beer back and forth, taking a sip or two while soaking up their tales. All this sounds far-fetched. He looked into Mama Rose's lazy eyes while watching her lilac lips move in slow motion. Listen, if anyone saw her reflection, then that person would be left with a permanent mark to serve as a reminder of the evil vision witnessed. You look so tired. Why don't you take a nap and finish telling me later? I need to finish now, Michael. He took a deep breath, standing up beside her, holding her cold hands. Go ahead. When I was 13 years old and attended the Raw Fair, my best friend double dared me to look at Demona in a mirror. I lifted up his shiny pocket knife where Demona had a palm reading booth. Once I saw her image in the knife, I felt my hand burning from the end of the wooden knife handle to the point where I dropped it to the ground, almost stabbing my right foot. Mama Rose's hands trembled in his hands. You okay? Do I need to get the nurse? No. It always gets to me when I talk about her. Maybe this is a sign for you to stop talking about her and rest like you should have been doing earlier. Nonsense. Let me finish, son. My body shook all over until I collapsed. My eyes rolled back, and after a few shakes and some water splashed onto my face, I woke up. Honestly, this is too much for me to take in, Mama Rose. He sat back down. It's all true. Okay, whatever you say. Michael cupped his chin in one hand while resting his arm on his lap. 
I saw Demona for the last time in Baker's store a few months later. I was standing in the checkout line holding a paper sack of red-hot suckers. She wrapped her long hand around my neck. Demona dug her red, hypodermic needle-like nails deep into my neck. Drops of blood splashed onto her new white kids. Yes, but what she whispered in my ear was worse than her death grip around my neck. Mama Rose paused for several seconds, staring down at her tired and shriveled up hands. What? What did she say, Mama Rose? I thought you weren't interested in my story, Michael. I'm not. He shrugged his shoulders and looked away from her before quickly looking into her eyes, as if he was secretly craving more of her story. Well? Come on, Mama Rose, tell me. I want to know. Okay. Demona whispered, You caught me off guard once, but never again. That was your free and only pass. Watch yourself, little girl. Keep your doors and windows locked, too. Tell Coop that I'll be waiting for him. I never told anyone, and my once auburn hair turned snow white that day. My mom had dyed it several times, but the color never held. Snow white it remained, even to this very day. Mama Rose pulled her wig off. Snow white curly hair stood straight up. Michael stood up to get a closer look, then ran his fingers through her hair. This doesn't really prove that all happened. You're right. She nodded her head slowly. Mama Rose began to cough again and louder. She attempted to pick up her cup, but spilled it all over herself. I told you that you needed your rest. Michael called the nurse in to change her. He stepped out into the hall until the nurse finished. It just slipped out of my hands. Please rest. Don't you want to know what happened to Coop? No. I'm more worried about you. Son, no sense in worrying about me. I know where I'm going. I'm worried about you. That's why I need you to hear all of this. Don't worry about me. I do. I'm going to call sis to sit with you while I go and clean up. No, please stay. I just have a little more to tell you. Please. He walked back over to her bedside and sat down. So, how does Coop fit in with this Demona chick? He looked up at the ceiling. I begged him not to even think about trying to find her. But he ended up finding her anyhow. He wanted Baker to pay. So, Demona cast a twisted spell for him. A week later, Baker went missing. Mama Rose closed her eyes. You okay? She touched his hand and opened her heavy eyes and nodded. Her breathing began to slow down. She continued with more pauses between each word. Baker's wife and son found his body. Found his bloody angled body hanging in the middle of his store. As large vultures fed on it I heard his wife lost her mind and the son threw himself into a tree shredder on their farm Baker really suffered I bet Coop left town after that he did Coop never left raw or enlisted in the army he jumped off the sharp lake cliff near FM 6969 six months 
later on Halloween night, landing head first. Folks around here say Coop's restless spirit haunts FM 69-69 to this day, causing fatal accidents care of the drivers on that road where Madison died. You never told me that. I never knew that about Coop, Mama Rose. Michael covered his mouth and stood up to stare out the window. Some claim to have seen his old red Ford with a bent-up front shiny grill, two large horns on the sides with flaming tips. I saw it once and only. I've steered as far as possible from FM 6969. So should you. Avoid it at all costs. Michael walked over to the window. He turned around to face her and leaned against the window with his arms crossed facing her. Okay, I'm going to call Sis. He walked back over to her and kissed her bony hand. He began walking toward the door. Here, take this crucifix, my boy, and wear it always. I pray to very powerful blessing over it. He turned back around to walk back to her bedside. You know I don't believe in stuff like this. I never have. Please, Michael, take it. Promise me that you will keep it close to you at all times give it here. He rolled his eyes and frowned. She dropped it into his baby soft hands. He buried it in the back of his Gucci jeans pocket. He bent over to hug her and then she was gone. Michael stayed until a caretaker from Ron's son's funeral home arrived to transport her. He attended the funeral and stayed a few extra days to help Wichita with Mama Rose's estate. On Halloween night, he packed up and backed out of her driveway. Wichita waved him on as she pulled on her heavy multicolored shawl tighter around her shoulders. Michael waved back to her as he turned to a jazz channel on his satellite radio while positioning JD closer to him. He stared at the crucifix as it rested in the passenger seat. He threw it into his immaculate glove compartment without a second thought. After driving a few miles from his sister's house and passing the hospital where Mama Rose died, he noticed a work convoy with flashing signs. Entry ramp closed for construction. Alternate routes were offered by his GPS, Cedar Lane, or FM 6969. He looked up into his sunroof and whispered, Mama Rose, wherever you are, I love you. He made a left turn onto FM 6969. Within a few minutes, he heard loud noises coming up fast behind him. His heart raced like a rabbit being chased by a pack of wolves. His eyes twitched and his hands trembled on the steering wheel. In his rearview mirror, he saw only young kids packed in a neon yellow convertible. Michael sighed and lifted up JD. He screwed the cap off and pressed his lips to J.D.'s glass mouth and tilted it back as he kept his eyes on the road. J.D. was secured between his legs. Out of nowhere, an old truck with tall glowing horns with flaming tips planted near the window shield appeared ahead of the convertible. The driver of the convertible blew the horn constantly and flashed his high beams. The convertible passed the truck with loud laughter filling the chilly night air, accompanied by pour some sugar on me, blaring from its speakers. They threw bottles at the truck. The old truck picked up unbelievable speed. The flaming and glowing horns lowered. The horns rammed and pierced the convertible on both of its sides. The horns then raised the convertible up off the road and the horns retracted back into its original position. The convertible flipped almost a hundred feet in midair. It blew up in flames within seconds. Michael pulled over onto the side of the road to catch his breath while resting his sweaty palms and head against the steering wheel. 
He tore his glove compartment off its hinges, rummaging through it to find the crucifix. Once he got his hands around it, he held onto it tight, as if it was going to fly away. His pants were soaked with more than the JD spill. Before Michael could grab something from the back to dry himself off, he heard a loud scratching sound as something was etched into his window shield. He looked up and read the bloody soot message. You're damn lucky. Consider this your last pass. Lights out. Forrest Wiseman never slept without her nightlight, affectionately known as Mr. Wigglesworth, an iridescent worm with an open-mouthed smile. She woke up one morning, and Mr. Wigglesworth had vanished from his home, the outlet in the wall parallel to the bed. Forrest hurled the heavy covers back, jumped onto the carpeted floor, and ran into the kitchen to find her husband, Gabe, leaning against the island. Honey, where's Mr. Wigglesworth? She panted heavily as she paced up and down the canary linoleum floor with arms crossed tightly around her chest. Uh, the nightlight? Babe, you're 27 years old. Calm down. You don't need that sort of stuff anymore. You got me. I'm stronger than any stupid nightlight. He flexed his muscles like a weightlifter winning an event. What did you do? She scowled with multiple beads of sweat outlining her fiery red hairline. I tossed him and some other junk from the back closet in the garage sale across the street earlier, he spurted out as he stuffed an oversized blueberry bagel in his mouth. He was not junk. He was our protection. From what? Forrest snatched her cell phone from the table, opened the front door, and ran outside and sprinted in her flannel pajamas across the street toward the garage sale. She began rummaging through all the tables. Nothing. Mr. Wigglesworth was officially missing. She felt the hairs on the back of her neck raise. Mrs. Humphrey, an 88-year-old retired junior high school hall monitor and the noisiest neighbor on the block, asked, Honey, what are you searching for? Her hands rested on her rounded hips. Hey, Forrest pulled out her cell phone from her back pajama pocket without any eye contact. She scrolled through her photographs. Did you notice if anyone purchased a nightlight that resembles this picture? A plastic worm wearing squared eyeglasses, holding a blue cane, and dressed in a black and white polka dot vest popped up on her brightly lit cell phone screen. Oh, yes. A gentleman purchased that one and a few other odd items. He was in a hurry, too. Never seen him around here before. He was some serious eye candy, though. Mmm, mmm. He caught my attention immediately. She batted her eyelashes. Thanks. Forrest staggered to the side some, but caught herself before falling. Honey, you want some water or something? You're sweating terribly. Come here and sit down for a bit. No, I'll be okay. Thank you, Mrs. Humphrey. She turned away from her, only to find Gabe rushing up from behind. Man, you're fast. What's all the fuss, Forrest? It's just a nightlight. I mean, you know that, right? He tilted his head to the side while scratching the side of his bearded face. Forrest took his hand and pulled him under a large oak tree, away from Mrs. Humphrey, who was trying to listen in with her large spy ears. The sun had been out when she'd started her search for Mr. Wigglesworth, but now titanic gray clouds were rolling in and ushering in darkness. They'll come for us tonight, she uttered slowly as a tear dropped in unison with the first raindrop. Babe, you're really starting to make me nervous. 
Who's coming? He pulled her close to him and wrapped his arms around her while wiping more tears away from her face with the palm of his hand. Dim feeders, she whispered as she looked up into his wide eyes and stared at his painted smirk. Dim what? You really need to stop reading those horror books. Stop it, Gabe. Listen to me, damn it. She stomped her feet and pulled away from him. All right, all right. He tried to look at her seriously as he pulled her back close to him. Forrest appreciated the effort, but it wasn't enough. They're vengeful, shape-shifting ghosts. They travel everywhere to rip out and absorb the souls of their enemies. Each time a dim feeder snatches a human soul, then its power increases. Okay, I'll go with you for a moment, he silently giggled. Cape, this is really serious. Listen, Forrest huffed. Okay, this is my serious face. Please continue. He pointed his finger toward his stern expression while fighting back laughter. A dim feeder can break out of his or her chaotic world in order to enter our world to cause more havoc. Eventually, total destruction. Now, why would these so-called dim feeders be coming for you? I mean, us. When they were human, they were murdered brutally. What does that have to do with you, Forrest? Mr. Wigglesworth wasn't really a nightlight. He was a protector. Like the ultimate guardian angel. He prevented any dim feeder from trespassing into our world. Our home. More disbelief bloomed into his eyes. Babe, how do you know so much about them? And why would you need protection from them? Gabe... I'm not who you think I am. I did things in my past. Things that had to be done. She squeezed him tighter. Excuse me, Mrs. Humphrey said as she cleared her throat. She interrupted them by tapping Forrest on her shoulder. Forrest turned around slowly. She assumed that Mrs. Humphrey was going to ask for their help in putting everything up before the rain became heavier. Mm, Mr. Eye returned, and he really wants to meet you. Mrs. Humphrey whistled him on over while waving her hands back and forth in the air, like she was guiding an airplane in to land. Forrest looked over and immediately locked eyes with him. His sinister eyes flickered like an untamed, vicious candle flame. She knew that her finale was near. Goosebumps raced up and down both sides of her arms. Her entire life flashed before her, and then he was standing right there in front of her. The eye candy that Mrs. Humphrey saw wasn't visible before Forrest's eyes. He was taller than any she had ever encountered. Almost ten feet. Long, white, stringy, and knotty hair rested in the middle of his puffed-up chest. An oversized scarlet fedora tilted down to conceal half of his transparent skeletal face. His thick, charcoal nails were long and curled under. A large, glistening, golden-black, widow-shaped nugget ring squeezed his right index finger. Forrest's entire body shuddered as he placed the tip of his index finger onto her mouth. She couldn't speak. Her lips felt like they had been superglued together. Gabe grabbed her hand with his trembling hand, closed his eyes, and whispered under his breath close to her ear, Please forgive. Before he could utter his last word, an umbrella of darkness swallowed the entire block and everything on it. Stay tuned for a short Q&A with the author in just a moment. Today's episode featured two stories by Miracle Austin. Last Pass, and Lights Out. If you'd like more information on Miracle and her work, you can find her on Twitter, at MiracleAustin7. You can also find her on her website, at MiracleAustin.com. Artwork for today's show is provided by Tracy Polkanico. Musical score for today's show is provided by Nico Viteze of We Talk of Dreams. Find his website at WeTalkOfDreams.com. 
Nico is also our music director here at the Wicked Library. He's doing a great job, don't you think, folks? Don't forget to visit our sponsors and friends of the show, like Stigmata Studios, HorrorMade.com, Shadows of the Door, Cathedral Sounds, Sanitarium Press, and Rickert and Beagle Books. You can find links to their websites in the show notes for today's episode. Please share the terror. Share the show and help us grow, won't you please? There's plenty of people out there, I'm sure you know, that would love the show. There's that weird guy that lives down the street from you that does something out in the backyard in the middle of the night and you don't know what exactly it is, but it sounds kind of creepy. That guy probably enjoy the show. You can also go over to iTunes and rate and review the show. Rating and reviewing the show is free. It means a lot to us. You can do that over at itunes.thewickedlibrary.com. Don't let the librarian find out that you didn't. Follow us on Twitter at Wicked Library. Find us on Facebook and subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and now on Google Play. We are now officially everywhere. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter to get great prizes, bonus content, and more. You can sign up for that at thewickedlibrary.com. And now, Miracle Austin. How are you? I'm okay. Good. <laughs> so you feeling better? Uh, well, you know, I'm getting there. Okay, good. I know how awful it can be sick. And was it mostly like um, sinus or? Oh, it was sinus. It was lungs. It was, you know, coughing fits, you know, the whole nine yards. It was. Oh, goodness. I'm, 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 I'm just now starting to get my voice back. You know, I mean, it's. Uh, it's a little okay. in a lower register than it normally is because it's not quite a hundred percent there. You know, even three days ago, my voice was like this. So, so tell me a little bit about your two stories and, and where the, the, uh, the stories came from whenever you were working on them. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, um, lights out, you know, when I was a little girl, I had this little nightlight. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't know. I was just thinking one day, Dan, like, you know, that would make an interesting story. Something about a nightlight and just kind of started piecing little things together. And that's how I pretty much, you know, created that story. Well, it runs together real smooth. I mean, how many, how many drafts did that story take you? Um, I tell you what, it probably took Dan, I would say maybe like four or five, give or take. See, and I find that interesting because I, I know that, you know, we have a lot of listeners that are writers and we have a lot uh-huh. of listeners that want to be writers uh-huh. and we also exactly. have, you know, a lot of casual listeners, but the, the, the neat thing to me is, and, and we've talked about this, you know, with a couple of different authors this season is that, you know, yes. what you get is the final result that everybody enjoys. And it seems, you know, perfect is, uh-huh. is, is only the result. It's not, it's not, exactly. you know, getting there is sometimes an arduous process. Oh, let me tell you. Yes. And I tell you, it, it didn't look anything like what you read. It was it was pretty like it was in rough shape. And I had to clean <laughs> it up and add a little bit here, take away, enhance. And so, yeah, it, it goes through several um, washes, I guess you could say. Yeah. Editing washes before you feel like, OK, this is something I think I, I feel good about it, you know. Yeah, so, ready to be okay. shared with the world. Uh-huh, uh-huh, exactly. So that's how I came up with that story. Mm-hmm. And then last pass, I tell you, I was, um, I used to drive a lot in my previous job. And I tell you, I, you know, I used to drive the speed limit, honestly. And so many fast drivers, I tell you, um, would just always be speeding, you know, up and down the highway, you yeah. know, or on the service road. And so I just started thinking, like, you know, what would it be like to create a story about something that has to do with, you know, people who are just so, so busy in life um, and they just don't seem to pay attention to things that may have an impact at someone else's life. So that's how I came up with that story last pass. Um, so I wanted to put a little paranormal twist in that and that's that's how i that's how i came up with it that's fantastic and, mm-hmm. and what about mm-hmm. that one how, how many how many run-throughs did that one take you, do you well, that probably went through a lot more i'm gonna say that probably went through like maybe 10 or 11 honestly dan 
It's interesting because when you start with, you know, just a core concept or just a, a little bit of an idea, how it evolves and changes from the beginning to the end. And I guess the, the best part about writing for me, Dan, is when you think you know what the character or where the idea is going. And it's just something how it just starts evolving. Yeah. On its own, and I'm like, "What in the heck? I didn't, decide, you know, I didn't even think I was going to go that direction." And I really love that part. You know, it's always fun when you have that surprise when the character mm-hmm. says or does something you're not expecting, or yes. the story goes down a different road than what you thought it was going to. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of it's kind of so, spooky. I think sometimes. Yeah, it can be. I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, yeah. or you know, you get this. You know, you get, a, you know, you get an idea in the middle of the night and you're like, I got to get it out because if I if I don't get it out, I'm going to lose it. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, what am I thinking? I got to get up in the next three hours, but I got to get this <laughs> out. So <laughs> That's correct. So, yeah. The mm-hmm, muse, the just, muse visits when she wants to. And, uh, you know, exactly. if, if I, what I find that is, you know, if, if I roll over and go back to sleep and think that I'm going to uh-huh. remember it the next morning, it's not going to be there. I know. I know it. I know. It's, it's almost like you're, you're driven, you know? Yeah. So, mm-hmm, totally get it. So, but yeah. So it was fun creating those, um, those little two stories. So I had a good time. So, well, they were fun to read. So, I mean, I'm sure everybody enjoyed listening. So I'm glad you enjoyed because I was like, I was wondering what you were thinking about them because I hadn't heard from you. Like, wow, so I hope Dan likes them because <laughs> I hadn't heard. You said, well, I'll tell you when, I, when we talk. I'm yeah. like, oh, you know, I felt like I was waiting for like an exam. <laughs> You know, and I was like, shoot, I took the exam like three weeks ago. I still haven't received my final grade. So, yeah. That's, you know, that's one of the, that's one of the things that I'm looking forward to about the little break that we're going to take here for the Wicked Library in a couple weeks is that, um, I won't actually be taking a, a true break. I just will be taking a break from, you know, sharing production with the audience. But, um, it's going to give me an opportunity to, among other things, like catch up on my own writing and editing and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, but also to, read through more of these stories and, and kind of get a season planned out. Um, mm-hmm. Cause a lot of times, mm-hmm. even though I'm, I'm running about maybe three, four weeks ahead, I kind of feel sometimes like I'm flying by the seat of my pants. I bet. Yeah, Cause there's a lot that goes into production and, and it definitely helps now that we have uh, such a great uh, music director on board that actually takes care mm. of custom scoring all the music for us. And, and that for me was always the, the hardest and most time consuming part of it because I'm, I tend to be kind of a perfectionist and I'm not a composer or a musician other than, uh-huh. other than to dabble a little bit. Uh, so it takes me a long time to get the right music for the right feel. And that's I real bet. important to me. So, um, ha- having someone that, that, you know, that is their, that's their wheelhouse has really helped. And that's, you know, Nico, uh, uh, has, really stepped up and taken care of that for us. So you'll get that. uh, You'll get to experience that with your stories. He actually wrote them just from the reading the stories. I sent him a copy. Oh Oh, yeah. And and then what he does is once I finish and I narrate, he'll go back and he'll fine tune everything and get the timing right and everything. But he usually gets a good feel for how he wants it to sound just from reading the, the, the story. So. Wow. That's amazing. I I can't wait. I'm excited. Yeah, that is. That's awesome. It's awesome to have someone like that on your team. Definitely. You know? Well, let's talk. Let's talk a little more about you and what you have going on because okay. you have sure. um, you have a book coming out or out already, I should well, say. That's okay. Yes, um, doll. And let me tell you. Oh, it's, it's a story, but I'm gonna try to tell you the short version. Yeah. Um, with this, um, <laughs> with this novel, that was never supposed to happen, Dan. Um. What I was waiting for was my um, short story, you know, collection, Boundless, um, to come out. And things just didn't work out um, with this small press. Mm -hmm. And so while I was waiting, um, I decided to keep myself, you know, busy. So I needed to distract myself with a story. So Doll um, was the distraction. And it was just supposed to be a short story, maybe 5,000 words. That's it. Finally, I'm talking to the person that's had the experience I've always heard of where you really? start something, where you start something as a short story and it turns into a novel. I hear that's awesome. And I've never had it happen to me. So I'm, I'm, I, I really, I'm interested to hear how this worked. <laughs> so I just started writing it and it transformed also, Dan. Yeah. It was, it was supposed to be an adult story. 
And so I started thinking about a comment that someone made um, in my past. And so I said, you know, I'm going to evolve this and I'm going to change it up. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to make it more young adults. So the 5,000 words, you know, you know, started growing. And it was like, before I knew it, it was 8,000. I'm like, okay. And then 10,000. I said, okay, it's going to be a novella, a little novelette. I'll leave it at that. But then more of the story, it just kept growing. You know, it's like, hmm. like weeds. Um, so I just kept going with it. And the characters just kept, you know, expanding and things started happening. And before I knew it, then honestly, I had over 40 something thousand words. Wow. And I was like, what in the heck? And I wasn't, like I said, I never planned to publish, you know, Doll um, as a short story, but it was a distraction. Mm -hmm. And then it transformed into a novel before the novel that I was hoping. my short story collection to get published it it published before it um so um it was amazing it was an amazing experience um i tell you you know playing the cover you know mm. that was really fun and um, finding a cover artist to do that and then you know going through all the edits oh my goodness i want to talk about that um I have probably a n- several notebooks of edits that I went through with that thing. Um, <laughs> but but then it was born. You know, she was born. And so I'm like, oh, my goodness. Um, look at this. So yeah. it never was supposed to be. So let me ask you this. When you're writing and creating a story, mm-hmm. be it a short story or a long form, what usually comes first for you? Is it the characters? Is it the story? Oh, okay. Um, the idea. Mm-hmm. I get this idea, and it can be like three, three or four words, or it can be like a little paragraph. And then I just start pulling from that. Then I just start, and and my characters, you know, I may not define them immediately, or I may not even have names for them until you know a little bit later on in the story. Um, and then. You know, I, you know, attach names to them, of course, but the idea comes for, for me first. Okay. Um, and then my characters start to evolve. Um, and then I just kind of just take it from there. Okay. So, so basically it's the idea, then it's the, the characters and then it's the story that, that, yes. they, they, that surrounds them. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that makes sense though, because, you know, for the, for the idea, you have to have the idea, I would assume for, for yes. anything to come. So dolls out, your collection is yes. out now too. Well, I tell you what, I decided to pull back on her and I'm tweaking it and I'm editing it. I'm going through the edit process with her as well and just um, making the stories a little bit more young adult friendly. It's not like they were rated, you know, R or anything like that, but just kind of just changing some characters' ages and things of that nature and some scenarios. like that pretty much so that's what i'm working on so um trying to get her all ready and um working on getting ready to work on doll too just to let you know fyi oh um, really well. so it's got it there's another story in you for this one it, huh it is it is um and i just to let you know also i ended up with two endings I gave the reader an original ending and then I turned around and gave an alternate ending. And some of my reviews and readers are like, Hey, you want more? So I'm like, okay, Excellent. I guess I will decide to do that. Plus I wasn't going to do that. Dan. it was just going to be a standalone. I just move on to something else. Right. But since I'm getting feedback that they want to know more, I'm like, okay, let's do this. Well, that's really cool. I mean, I guess that technically that could turn into a little series for you, huh? It may. It just may. But I'll keep you posted. Yeah, definitely. For sure. <laughs> I sure will. I'm glad sure you're getting will. such good reviews on it, too, because it, I mean, Thank I you. haven't had an opportunity I, to read it myself yet. But I mean, okay. I know from us talking that the concept is something that's fascinating to me. Thank you. I appreciate that. That really means a lot to me. Absolutely. It really, really does. Thank you so much. And like I said, I never written. That's my longest piece ever. And I think maybe my longest short story I've written, maybe seven, 8,000 words, mm-hmm. maybe. So I was really scared. Um, and to be honest with you, I procrastinated <laughs> for a while because I wasn't sure if I could do this. I'm like, I don't know. I've never written anything, you know, 
as long as a novel. So I was like, I don't know if I can do it. So I just kind of just did other things to avoid it as long as I could. And then, you know, there came a time I couldn't avoid it anymore. I had to jump straight, (laughs) jump right in and, you know, get it done. So So what did you learn from that experience? That's going to help you with your next one. Well, I tell you what, I've never been a person to outline. I've never been an author to outline. Mm -hmm. And I learned through this process that outlining became my best friend. Um, It helped me organize my thoughts better and gave me like a roadmap. So I would know where to go. And even though I didn't have to stick on that road, I could always go on the side road at any time. But it was a nice, it was nice to have that security. Um, So definitely learn that outlining can definitely be a benefit, um, you know, if you choose to use that. And to also know that you may think you've edited over and over and over again. Every time I read it, I would find something Mm. that I didn't like or I needed to change. Um, And to also know once you edit so much, you have to know also when to let it go. Yeah. Um, And that that's hard. You know, yeah, I can um, understand that. I mean, you mm-hmm. always want it to be the best you can do. Yes. And yes, I think that as you go, you continue. My, my theory has always been as you're, you're going along, you're continuing to become a better writer. So exactly, the writer that you are, you know, today is not the same writer that you were four months ago. So today's mm-hmm. writer is going to mm-hmm. look back at that and go, oh, you know what? There's some little things here you could fix. And I think that that's, yes. as we evolve, we're, we're constantly in that point. I don't think you ever get to the point where you're just like 100% satisfied with a story. You're just like, okay, it's mostly what I want and, and I'm okay with what you've done here. But, you know, a year from now, I'm going to look back at this and go, oh, mm-hmm. I could do this and that and the other thing. I know. <laughs> that's right. You're so right about that. That is so true. So how many stories are in your collection? Well, I tell you what, you know, actually, I need to, I really need to count them. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to say then, because some of them are like little mini stories, like really short. And then while others, you know, they go all the way from maybe 20 words, all micro, super micro, mm-hmm. all the way up to, you know, close to 8,000 words. Oh, and wow. it just range. So, um Gosh, I'm gonna say probably over. I'm gonna say over thirty, but I'm probably a little. It's probably a little bit more than that. But I just need to sit down and really count them all. Um, well, I might not use all of them in this, and I need to review that again um, as well. But yeah, I'm gonna say thirty plus, give or take. Wow, that's excellent. Yeah. Sounds, yeah, like a, sounds like sounds like sounds like a meaty volume of work. <laughs> it's it is, you know, because I've been. I've been just, you know, I never knew I was going to put this in a collection, Dan, and my, my hubby, he said, you know, why don't you, you should think about putting that in the collection one day. And that's where the idea came from about a year and a half ago. And so I was like, oh, I don't know if anyone would be interested in reading that, that piece of work. So I decided to do that. And like I said, I'm just in the process of, you know, making sure it, it looks good and, you know, in tip top shape as best as I can, you know, and then pass it on to my editor and let her, you know, tell me what I need to do and fix and, you know, all the things that go with, you know, the editing process as, as you know, yeah, very well. <laughs> so, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's an eclectic piece. I mean, I have a little bit of horror, suspense, drama, fantasy, um, a little comedy mashups. So it's it's a gumbo of themes. <laughs> it's a good analogy. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, each, each time you dig in, you get something a little bit different, huh? Uh-huh. Exactly. Excellent. Exactly. Excellent. Yes. Yes. So you're definitely. working on Doll 2. You're working on getting your collected works done. Yes. When can we expect the collected works to come out? Do you have any idea? I'm hoping late summer, early fall. Okay. It, and it may be before that, but I want to give myself just a little extra time you know, because you just never know. So I just gave myself a little extra time. So that's what I'm anticipating. Ah, okay, I got you. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yes. So excellent. And then, yeah. and then, doll. I guess doll two. You're just starting on, or or how far along the process are you? You know, I have a little mini outline um, for doll two. Um, 
and I'm probably going to start that probably in the summer, just trying to focus and get this collection done since it's been kind of on the back burner. seemed like forever. Um, <laughs> so hmm. um, probably going to start that in the summer. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Thank so it you. looks like by the time, uh, by the time we're, we're midway through next season, you might have something you want to share with us. Yes, I certainly will. Excellent. I certainly will. And I can't wait until you have time to read doll. Um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah. And that's on my list for my, my break coming up here. So I have about I three or four different books coming up and, uh, okay. it's definitely going to be something that I'm looking forward to reading. Okay. Well, thank you, Dan. You're oh, welcome. love you so much. <laughs> and if nothing else, we have you on the Christmas special coming up for oh, season yes. seven, right? Yes. You just tell me my deadline and I'll get something. <laughs> I'll get something new. Yeah. That's, um, that's one of the other things I'll be doing during my break is coming up with the Christmas theme and uh, okay. that sort of thing. So, all right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and let you run and get back to working on doll and everything else that you got going on. And, okay. and uh, I'll look forward to uh, talking to you again very soon for another story on the wicked library. I am so excited and thank you. And I'm so glad to hear that you're feeling better and you have an amazing <laughs> voice. Well, thank Let me you. Tell you, and I'm glad that it's definitely, you know, getting to the point where it was. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate that. Oh, you're so welcome, Dan. And thank you so much. And you have a blessed evening. Okay. You too. All works read in this audio recording and associated music and artwork are copyright of their respective creators and may not be used in any form without their permission. Dramatic reading performed by Daniel Foytek. That's me. The voice of the librarian was performed by Nelson W. Piles. The voice of Victoria Bigglesworth Hayes was performed by Amber Collins. The Wicked Library theme was written by Anthony Rosick and performed by Novus. This episode of the Wicked Library featured a custom score by Nico Viteze of We Talk of Dreams. Incidental music in this episode was performed by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com and used with his permission. You can check the show notes for titles and credits. The Wicked Library is a Ninth Story Studios production. NinthStory.com Producer, Daniel Foytek. Executive producer and creator, Nelson W. Piles. Music director, Nico Viteze. Art director, Stephen Matico. Full show notes with links and artwork can be found at thewickedlibrary.com forward slash 624. Until next time, this has been Daniel Foytek. Go ahead, leave the lights on. We'll turn them on ourselves. Societies rise and societies fall. When the time comes... One society steps forward to build a better future. The Wicked Library. Kettle Whistle Radio. Ninth Story Podcast. Prog Watch. Red Horse Radio. The Lift. History Goes Bumble. Listen. The M Writing Podcast. Society 13. Rebuilding society, one podcast at a time.